praise the Lord. If it's good to be in the house of God, say amen. 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 You may be seated. We're going to talk about the book of James today. We are 13 weeks into a series that will end today. We are about to say goodbye to our old friend James who has led us through this book, through this letter, and then next week we are going to start something new. So can I take a couple minutes and talk about next week and the fall for just a minute? Vision, exciting things. Does anybody want to hear anything exciting? <laughs> okay, so next week we're going to launch a couple things. We're going to launch a series in the last book of the Bible called Revelation, and it's a book that I've been looking forward to talking about for a long time. It's a book of the Bible that shows us how to interpret Scripture, and we're going to look at how to interpret prophecy and the end times. It's a book that shows us that, yes, while there is suffering today, in the end, there is some great hope. And so Revelation will show us that. If you're wondering, how does one interpret it? How am I going to teach it? I'm going to talk about something called the pastoral prophetic. And so next week, I'll explain what that means. So that's next week. And next week, we're launching a couple things. After this first announcement, if you wish to say amen, you certainly can. But next week, especially you parents, uh, next week, we are launching something we used to do back in the days before the COVID flu. We did something that we're going to launch. We got the green light to launch something called our children's ministry. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> So in case you're wondering how that worked back in the day before the COVID flu, so that we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're, we're probably going to do like temperature checks on the little kids. It'll just take a second to make sure kids aren't feverish going down there. But we're going to do two classrooms. So if you have kids, you'll come a little early, check them all in from zero to elementary school. If they're zero to five, they can stay down there the whole time. If they're five and up, if they're five, you can kind of choose what you want to do with them. If they're five and up, they'll be up here for worship with us, and then they'll go downstairs at the sermon so they won't have to listen to me preaching. Instead, Miss Joy Davis, our wonderful, godly children's ministry director, has a series all fall long planned out on the fruit of the Spirit for the kids. So that's next week. Also next week is launching our student ministry. So if you have middle school, high school students, I see some of them over there. I see, I see you guys uh, in the room that's just down this hallway to the left, 9 a.m. before church to 9.45-ish. We are going to launch our student ministry. Cool beans? Colby, I mean, that's big news as far as the church and, you know, how, what we're doing here. You know, we're trying. Um, so turn into your Bibles, the book of James. It's towards the end of the Bible. If you have a paper Bible, thank you for bringing that. It's a little old school, but it's, it's wonderful to have. Turn to the chapter 5, and we are going to be in verse 13. So James chapter 5, verse 13, through the end. And let's talk a little bit about this character of James. Who is, who was James? Well, he lived about 2,000 years ago. He was one of Jesus' siblings. Did you know Jesus had siblings? They're listed in one of the Gospels. He had at least six. It says sisters, plural. So he had at least six siblings, maybe more. Um, um, we, we believe and hold and hope very firmly that, uh, you know, the Christmas story is that the mother Mary gave birth to Jesus and she was a virgin. And that, that whole story is very important to us. And so after Jesus was born, potentially Joseph and Mary had more kids. Another idea is that Joseph had a previous marriage, was a widower and had children, and then got engaged. And we know the Christmas story from there. But either way, whether James was an older brother or a younger brother, we're not, the, the, the scripture doesn't tell us. He was a brother 
brother of Jesus, grew up with the man who claimed to be God himself and who we believe as a church was fully God, like the creator of the sun and the moon and the stars, came to earth, was here, lived as a human being, had a brother named James. Imagine being James, seeing Jesus in the, in the light, talking to the crowds, and seeing Jesus behind the scenes, growing up with God himself. He had a lot to say about Jesus and how to live. And so we've been studying this letter, looking at different things, trials, favoritism, don't show favoritism, faith and deeds, the tongue, wisdom, submitting to God, boasting about tomorrow, don't boast about tomorrow, and wealth. And last week, Brett Davis talked about patience. And finally here today, we are going to talk about this last little bit, eight verses of scripture, where James gets into one big idea, which is, are you ready? Yes. <laughs> prayer. James is going to talk about prayer. And back in the day when we started this sermon series, about 13 weeks ago, when I was preaching, we were like locked in. This was like full quarantine. I was preaching to a camera and you guys, if you were around at that point watching online, I said, kids, listen up. James had a nickname and it was a cool nickname. He had a nickname about his knees. Do you remember this? Anybody remember this? Adults or kids? He, his nickname, and it's a good thing, was Old Camel knees. Do you remember? Does anybody raise your hand? Does anybody remember that? Okay, I see like two hands. Someone was listening back then. They called him old camel knees because if you've ever seen knees of a camel, they're like rugged and leathery. They kneel down a lot. Well, James, as you can imagine, kneeled down a lot in prayer. He was known as a man of prayer. And so therefore his cool nickname was old camel knees. And he was a, a, a beast in the early church. He was a leader in the the early church. He became the head honcho, the, the bishop of Jerusalem, and he oversaw the church, the early church. People looked up to him, and he wrote a letter, and we just happened to have that letter, and it's in the Word of God. And so if you would, would you stand with me if you were able while we read these eight verses? A lot of things that get said in this world um, won't last, but this is the Word of God, and this is going to last. We are in James 5, verse 13, and since we're talking about prayer, every time I say the word prayer or prayed or praying, would you say it out loud with me? So here's what James says, 5.13. He asks a question. Is any one of you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Verse 14, is any one of you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer, I love this verse, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Then he goes into an example about Elijah from the Old Testament. We'll talk about him in a minute. Elijah, verse 17, was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Verse 18, again, he prayed 
And the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. And then the last sentence James has for us is this. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the book of James. This is the word of the Lord. And people said, Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word to us. This is um, your earthly brother. When you, Jesus, you, God, lived an earthly life among us, Lord, your, your brother teaches us about how you lived and about praying and communicating to you. So, Lord, my simple prayer this morning is that as we talk about prayer and communication with you, Lord, may we know that you are here. You are listening. Your ear is towards us. Lord, we praise you, we worship you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God's people shouted, Amen. 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 You may be seated. The goal, the vision of New Life Manitou is to make disciples. And what do disciples look like? Well, disciples often look like people who pray. Thank you. Uh, So point one, I have a three-point classic, Pastor Joe. It's been a very long time since I've preached a sermon that hasn't been three points. So three points, that's how I like to keep things organized. Point number one is this, pray in all life situations. Pray in all life situations. James has three situations here. He says if you're in trouble, if you're happy, if you're sick, pray, pray, pray. He first starts off with this question. Is any of you, is any of you, are any of you in trouble? If you are, he tells us to pray. He does. This is what you're supposed to do. There's a lot of people who I think wrongly think that if they're in trouble, if they're going through a time of grieving, if they're going through a hard time, if they're going through just a depression or a low, like the, the tendency, it's unfortunate, it should not be the case, but the tendency is to, oh, I'm just going to remove myself from the church. I'm not going to go to church this morning. I'm too down. I'm too in trouble. I'm too grieving. I've messed up. I don't want to go to church. That's an attitude a lot of people have. It's a temptation that we have. To, to remove ourselves from church. People might say, oh, well, look at all the, you know, the people that come to church. They're so nice and they're smiling. Nothing bad ever happens to these people. Everything's goody two-shoe. Everything's just wonderful. I don't want to go in there and bring my trouble or my grief. And nothing could be further from the truth, right? We are a community. The church is a community of people who go through the highs and the lows, the troubles, the disappointments of life together. And there's absolutely no reason. You should not have this temptation that if you were going through something hard or depressing or grieving or trouble, that you should remove yourself from the church, remove yourself from God, remove yourself from prayer. Instead, the opposite should be the case. We are not a bunch of fake Christianese people that just slap on smiles. No, I'm looking around this room. I know some of your stories of depression and addiction and loss and and going through the depths and the shadow of death. This is a good place. This is a place where we turn our direction to the Lord. So if any of you is in trouble, we should pray. And if the Psalms, I, I love the Psalms, my favorite book of the Bible is the Psalms. If the Psalms teach us anything, if, you, if you're familiar with the book of Psalms, the longest book in the Bible, it's all these different prayers and these songs. Many of them are praise. Many of them are happy, 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 like praise the Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. And you're like, oh, that's all the Psalms is, just these happy people saying happy stuff. Well, not quite. Actually read the Psalms and you will find true, like real 
prayers being prayed, like stuff you probably shouldn't be saying in church if it wasn't like, it's socially awkward to pray like Psalm 3. Lord, would you smash the teeth of my enemies? Like, like Tyler, like he, he's the, just did the offering moment. Like imagine if that was his prayer. Like he's just like praying against the enemy, smashing their teeth. Lord. We would all be like, dude, are you allowed to say that in church? Is that okay? And I, I, maybe it'd be socially awkward, but according to the Psalms, it gives us permission to pray our very real prayers. If you've ever been in the midst of doubting whether the Lord is there with you, There's very real prayers in the Psalms that teach us that's okay to pray, to bring your true feelings to the Lord. Psalm 22 is a very famous psalm. The psalmist begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away, Lord? Like this is the prayer recorded in the text of scripture. This is someone being very honest with where they're at. And of course the answer is the Lord is there. The Lord is with them, but they didn't feel that. And so they brought a very real prayer to the Lord. And so my encouragement, some of you may need to hear this, that if you're in trouble, you're in grieving, you're in a not good place, you're going through depression, you're going through something Bring that to the Lord. You don't need to slap on a smile in here or before the Lord. Bring to him your prayers. Eugene Peterson, here's a quote by him. He says this, um, Eugene Peterson, uh, he translated the message. He's a pastor, two pastor. He's, he's written many books, someone who I really respect. He says this, worship is an act that develops feelings for God, not a feeling for God that is expressed in worship or an expression of worship. Meaning, if I was to interpret this quote, um, we, we don't just have to feel like, oh, I have this warm, fuzzy feeling. I can now pray to the Lord. No, instead we just come to the Lord because he is good and he is unchanging and we bring all that we are to him and he will lift us up to himself as I'm thinking about Psalm 40. Lord, lift us up, put our feet on solid rock. Give us a new psalm to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Let's worship and pray through all life situations. So James says, if you're in trouble, pray. And then he says pretty much the opposite. If you're happy, is anybody in here happy? You're like, honestly happy? I see those hands. Raise your hand high. If you're happy, you're doing good, good. It's good to be good. And if you're not, that's okay. Pray, and I'm glad you're in here. But if you are doing good, if you are happy, praise the Lord. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Did you know that that's right out of Scripture? Psalm 47 says, clap your hands, all you nations. Sing songs of praise. Like whoever wrote that song, they were stealing it from the Bible. Like sing songs of, if you're happy, clap your hands, shout Be joyous to the Lord. He is the author of our joy. I think in our world, our day and age, outside of the church, when someone's having a really great day and wants to go celebrate something, what do they do? Well, so often it's like, it's like removing themselves from the creator and the one who brought that joy. It's like, oh, let's go party. Let's go use some substances. That's that. No, no, no. Bring your joy and your praise to the Lord. So he talks about in trouble, in times of happiness, pray, pray. In times of sickness, we are called to pray. Let me read the scripture. It's verse 13. It says, if any of you in trouble, let him pray. If anyone's happy, let him sing songs of praise. And then verse 14. Here we are. Is any one among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. So if you're sick, what are you supposed to do? 
call the elders and have people pray over you. And I realized that James was probably not writing in a time of a pandemic flu. So like calling people to you when you're sick, like we're all like, whoa, 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 is that what you should be doing? Like we're kind of in a world right now. Uh, I'm thinking about like uh, MC Hammer song from 1990. You can't touch this. Right? Like people are literally like, don't touch me. Don't even look at me if you don't have a mask on. People are very nervous. We've been quarantined. We don't want to go back to that. Let us be very wise about how we do, how we do this. But let us do this. Let us pray for each other. James doesn't say, if any one of you is sick, let all the young Christians come in. Let's cough all over each other. He says, no, no, no. If any one of you is sick, call the elders of the church, the people who have been around a little while, the people who are wise, the people who will go about doing this with faith and with wisdom. We want, there's ways in which we can, we can pray over people. There's, I, we can put on masks and suits and we can lay hands over people that are sick. We, could, we did this just last week. Someone was in pain and we circled up some people, people that have been believers for a while. And right over here, we prayed and we anointed with oil in the name of the Lord. That's what we're called to do. James says to do this. There's ways in which we can go about in a flu pandemic and still pray for each other, still have community with each other, still surround ourselves as James is calling us to do with believers who have gone before us, believers who are a little wiser and mature in the faith. Surround yourself with these people. This is a good thing to do. And there's definitely ways that we can go about praying for people, laying on of hands and anointing with oil. I'm thinking about my father-in-law who's maybe watching right now in Minnesota. He is a nurse. He's in the ICU intensive care unit. He's a nurse. Long ago, it was prophesied over him that he would be um, in some sort of healing ministry. And he thought about that as a young man. And what does that mean? And then lo and behold, he, he took a look back at his life and is like, haven't I been doing that all along? I go every day. My career has been to go and to care for people, to treat them with medicine and with warmth and with compassion. He goes into some of the most devastating situations of the ICU and he brings with them healing. And when they are sick with the flu pandemic that's going around, he's treated people. He goes in with masks and suits and he prepares himself with wisdom, but he goes in and he treats people and he cares for people. We as the church, can be like that. We can figure out ways in which we can pray for people and love them and have compassion on them and bring light and joy. Point number two is this. So three-point sermon. That was point one um, about prayer in all situations. Point number two is this. The prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. It's a great verse. It's a great verse to meditate on. And um, as I prepare sermons every week, I wake up early and I spend time preparing sermons, usually about an hour and a half or so a day, which adds up to like 10 and a half, 10 and a half hours of sermon prep for this sermon. And some of you are probably thinking, man, that, you spent that much time working on this? You'd think it'd be a little better. <laughs> you think you have something better to say. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but one of the things I do as a pastor is I think of examples. And James gives us an example. So my week in preparing for this sermon has been a little easier because James gives us 
an example. An example from the Old Testament. He gives us the example of Elijah. Do you guys know this guy in the, in the Old Testament? His stories are out of control, awesome, miraculous. Let me list a couple things and then you'll realize why James will say about Elijah. He was just a human, just like us. He uh, lived in a time of famine and prophesied no rain for an extended amount of time and that happened. He meets a widow and a son who were dying of starvation and he prays and there's this situation where the container of oil and the container of flour do not run out. It's a miracle. He, uh, the son of that widow dies and Elijah comes over and prays over the son and he is resuscitated back to life. He is the same guy that calls down fire from Mount Carmel. I've been to the place in Israel and looked out and saw like this is the place where Elijah prayed and fire from heaven came down. He's the same guy that um, he dies, but he doesn't, his like his body is taken away. Do you know the story? It's a very interesting story. And so James says about him, look at verse 13, uh, sorry, verse 17, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Like Elijah seems like this superhero kind of uh, non-human, awesome guy that just walks around and miracles follow him. But he was a human being. He was a man, even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain in the land for three and a half years. And again, he prays. And the heavens gave rain and produced crops. He was a person of prayer, a righteous person. And the righteous person's prayers are powerful and effective. We are a praying church. We need to pray prayers of faith, knowing that Jesus is listening and is watching over us and will come to our aid. And he will bring about things that we ask for because he loves us and he has a listening ear to us as his people and his church. I heard a story of um, an African village that was uh, a lot of Christians there who were praying for rain, like the similar situation in the Old Testament. They were praying for rain, hadn't rained, their crops are dying, people are hungry, they're very scared. And so they pulled all the Christians together and the leaders of the church said, bring objects of faith, bring Bibles, and uh, people brought crosses, people brought w- wooden crosses, people brought anointing oil, people brought pictures of Jesus, and they were going to come together for a day-long prayer meeting and pray for rain. So all these people brought different things, whatever they thought of when it, when it came to like these objects of faith. They brought them, they stood in prayer, they were going to pray all day long, but lo and behold, a half hour into this prayer meeting, praise the Lord, it started raining. And all these people are shouting with joy and and holding up their symbols of faith. And one symbol of faith caught everyone's eye because it was a little girl in the back. And her symbol of faith was a umbrella. Like what an image of faith. Yes. Like why didn't they all bring umbrellas? That's the image of faith that we call upon God to act. And prayers of righteous people are powerful and effective. Last point, number three three of three, is this. Um, James talks about confession. So point three here is prayers of confession turn our sin to forgiveness. Prayers of confession, maybe the best type of prayer there is, the most powerful type of prayer that there is, is just prayers of confession, talking to God, communicating to God, and saying, Lord, we're not God, you are. Confessing that we believe, confessing our sin and bringing that to the Lord. Prayers of confession turn our sin to forgiveness. James works that into this letter. Um, Verse 15, he says this, 
The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And then he says this. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then he says the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. He works into this last bit before he ends this letter and says, if there are sick people, pray for them. And if they've sinned, they will be forgiven. It's a very interesting line to work into this, which sometimes, he kind of works in the if. Sometimes, you know, if we sin and, and make mistakes, if we go down wrong paths, there's, you know, the fruit of wrong paths and sin is often bad things happening, a sickness. You know, you've maybe heard the phrase worried sick, like that can actually happen. In fact, some of you are well aware, like you get stressed out and you worry and there's, there's just downward spirals in your life and you can get so stressed you get sick. Or just think about, I'm thinking about situations that just bring upon negative fruit, like someone uh, drinks and drives and has a DUI and they crash into the tree and then their, their body's all broken up. Well, why are they hurting and sick? Well, because they, they had a bad day and they committed a sin and and that's sometimes the fruit of wrong choices and sin but other times there's the if here people don't do anything wrong they're righteous people and bad things happen to them they might be sick because there's a virus going around and we can't blame we can't point at people and say oh you're sick because of this because again and again and again in the bible we see the righteous and the unrighteous suffering so james says if they've sinned they will be forgiven and he goes on to say confess your sins to one another pray for each other so that you may be healed and the truth of the matter is, is that we've, we've all sinned. You know, in some way or another, we've all sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And so what we are called to do is to confess that sin. We are called to turn from our ways and follow his ways. We are called as believers. We are called as non-believers to believe. We are called to, to confess our sin and ask forgiveness. Let me conclude by reading this last sentence, starting in verse 19. This is how James ends the letter powerfully. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and, and I think in our, in our day and age, we've seen people in the last couple months for whatever reason, that there's been a break in the patterns of church and faith, and maybe for some people prayer, or maybe some people it's falling back into sin. Like we've, these days of quarantine that hopefully are behind us forever, we're very, very hard, and we have seen, I know I have seen people wander from the truth, but if someone should bring that person back, verse 20, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So actually a very hopeful passage that we can turn, that sinners, even the worst of sinners, can turn from their ways with the help and grace of the Lord. They can turn from their ways, and we can all be saved, saved even from death, so that in death we will live because of the grace and the power of Jesus and his resurrection. If you would, would you, um, in, in the baskets, there's some communion elements. Grab those on your way to standing up, and I'll give us some instructions here. I'll lead us to, to a prayer and kind of um, a meditation on this last verse. But if you're um, a believer in Jesus, so we, don't, we don't require church membership. We don't require... Um, a confession of, of faith publicly or baptism. If you believe in Jesus, 
Well, then, if you would stand with me, if everyone would stand, there's uh, little cups like this, and there's the bread, and there's the juice. There's very good news in, in the text of Scripture, the very good news that Jesus has to share with us, that whoever turns from sin and follows in the way of Jesus will turn from the errors of their way, and Jesus himself will cover over a multitude of sins. So if you'll take the bread with me and just hold it. Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, the night he was betrayed, the night before his death, took bread, something like this bread, and he broke it, and he handed it to his disciples and said, just like this bread is being broken, my body, Jesus said, is being broken for you. And as you need food to enter into your body, this spiritual, this mystery of Jesus saying, here is my body broken for you. Receive it. So if you would take the bread now. In the same way, Jesus on the night he was betrayed took a cup, the cup of the new covenant, and he lifted it up. He says, this is the cup of the, cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Receive this cup. Whenever you drink it, Remember me, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So let's receive from the cup. So Lord, we thank you for these, these elements, the mysteries of your body and your blood shed for us. And Lord, as we've talked today about prayer, and right now we're praying to you, communicating to you with our words and our heart, but we thank you for all you've done for us. We thank you for your body and blood shed for us, that you have opened the door for salvation, that you've opened up the door that we might have your listening ear towards us. And Lord, we can ask you for, for whatever is in your will and it will be given, it will be done. So Lord, we praise you, we thank you. We thank you for forgiveness, your grace and mercy upon our lives. Lord, we love you. We praise your name. We praise the name that is above every name, Jesus. We thank you. We worship you. Let's continue to worship with this last song.